Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. I want to start today by reminding you that there is a website associated with this podcast. It is called wealthformula.com. That's where you're going to find all sorts of additional resources and also where you go to sign up for our accredited investor club if you are so inclined to get your lazy money off the sidelines and involved in some of the things that we are talking about on this show. Now, also, before I begin with the content, exciting Robert Kiyosaki content for today, I do want to remind you also that we are having our next Wealth Formula Meetup. That meetup is coming up in April. It is on April 22nd and 23rd in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Wealth Formula Meetup that we are calling, I'm calling, Interesting Times, as in, May you live in interesting times, the ancient, uh, you know, Chinese curse. But uh, go to wealthformulaevents.com. This event is, again, in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's uh, April 22nd and 23rd. We get together uh, cocktails on the 22nd, hang out, lots of social time, which is probably the best part of the events is just meeting one another. Then on the 23rd, a series of lectures and then a bus tour a bus tour full of uh, opportunities to see the kinds of uh, things that we've invested in in our accredited investor club. Then we go back for more cocktails, and then a lot of us break off for dinner. It's a good time. It's really, really fun. Anybody who's been to these things before uh, has, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a big party. You get to learn a lot of stuff, and very, very, I've never heard anybody regret coming to something like this. So again, check it out, wealthformulaevents.com. Now for today's show, you know, this whole show started because of an influence from a guy uh, uh, known as Robert Kiyosaki and who happens to be the number one financial author of all time. And he he just kind of stumbled into my life by accident in June of 2008 you see, I had just uh, graduated from surgical residency in June, you know, got married the next day, was on a honeymoon, and on the way back, picked up a book in a dingy airport, and it happened to be Cashflow Quadrant uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Up to this point, you have to understand that I was just an academic guy. I mean, I had no interest or, you know, knowledge at all about 
the kinds of stuff we talk on this show. I mean, I would completely, if I listened to this show in June of 2008, I mean, I would have been like, whoa, what is this all about? I have no clue what this dude's talking about. I have, you know, anyway, 14 years later, you know, I am no longer a practicing surgeon, nor am I married. However, the impact of Robert's books really courses through my veins to this day. It does. I mean, it really is the foundation for who I am. Of course, those books were all mindset, right? They were not, they weren't giving you a step by step. And that's where Well Formula came in. I was like, well, I got to figure out how to really animate all these ideas. And really, that's what Well Formula podcast is all about. But, you know, going back to that whole transformation, to me, it's really extraordinary when I think about how a single book that I accidentally stumbled on uh, in that dingy airport, and I think it was, you know, Puerto Vallarta or something like that. You know, I had no idea who Robert was. I had no idea that I want to read, but I, I had, they had like three books in this airport, you know, and two of them were like romance novels with, you know, it was that long, you know, back, uh, back then there was that guy with long hair. Was it Yanni or something? Or no, maybe he's the singer. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So they, they have these really like unattractive looking romance books. And then there's, and then there's Robert's book right there. And I accidentally read it and it changed my life, right? And that's crazy. It's crazy how that, that could define a person's life, that little accidental experience. But on the other hand, think about it. When you think about your life, most of us can define a moment or a few of them in our life that really just changed it all, that created massive pivots. Um, that could have been meeting a person. Maybe it was, you know, meeting, you know, if you're married, maybe it was meeting your meeting your wife or your husband or whatever. Maybe it was going somewhere. Maybe you were, you know, maybe you went to a school or maybe you were in war or something like that. Or in my case, uh, that destination was a book, which is a, a good argument, again, for being a person who's open to new ideas and reading books that you may not think that you would even like. But, you know, these transitional experiences, uh, when they happen, they feel like being hit by lightning. And, you know, I, I always describe my Kiyosaki transformation as taking the purple pill. And that's what I really think of it as. And many of you have had similar experiences with his books because there's something about his style of writing that really gets to the basics and really shifts your mindset. And so, you know, it's been a great pleasure for me uh, to have built a show that, um, you know, can have the likes of, you know, my mentor uh, in many ways, Robert Kiyosaki, on the show. And this is, I think, the third or maybe it's the fourth time he's on the show. And in this episode and this interview, uh, I wanted to kind of take it back and think to myself, well, gosh, you know, this guy had so much influence on me. What are the defining experiences of his life that shaped his worldview in the course of, you know, his life and what made him Robert Kiyosaki. So exciting interview for me to do. And I, and I'm sure you're going to love it. So stay tuned right after these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth. As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits 
and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is the number one personal finance author of all time. He wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has influenced, I think, uh, more millionaires than I bet you Harvard Medi or Harvard Business School. Certainly Harvard Medical School. That's There's no problem with that one. Uh, he's also what I would call really the godfather of Wealth Formula podcast. Uh, I read Robert's uh, Cashflow Quadrant about 14 years ago by accident uh, in a dingy Mexican airport uh, because I didn't have any other books to read and I had no interest in finance. And the next thing you know, it was like I took a purple pill and my life changed and uh, and here we are. So Robert Kiyosaki, thank you for joining us in Wealth Formula podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Interesting times we live in. Yes, absolutely. And you know, this is fun for me because, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've been following you for so long and I've heard you talk. We've, we've met a few times. And one of the things that I found compelling in, um, in hearing you talk in private, uh, in more private settings is your experience in Vietnam and how that really opened your eyes to, you know, war and the underlying reasons for war and what they're all about. And they're so different from, you know, necessarily what we see in the media and what we think about or even what we read about in history books. And this, of course, is very uh, timely because, um, because of what's going on in Ukraine. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, on you know, putting what you learned from your experiences in Vietnam together with what um, what's going on right now in the world. Well, Buck, I tell you about uh, what we're speaking earlier. Yeah. I mean, sweet talking devil. You're talking about my favorites. <laughs> now, you're, you're talking about the subject that beats right next to my heart. You know, it's not money. It's not real estate. It's not anything like that. It's um, my background is I left a little sleepy town in Hilo, Hawaii. I had disciplinary problems. So I had to go to a military school. So at Naval Academy and U.S. Merchant Marine Academy because I needed discipline, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I chose Kings Point and Merchant Marine Academy in New York. And my economics teacher didn't have a steady Keynes and Balthus and all those guys. The first book you had us read was the Communist Manifesto. Uh -huh. And I'm going, que pasa? Why am I studying the Communist Manifesto? And as and it's a military school, it says, know thy enemy. Yeah. I mean, know uh -huh. thy enemy. Uh -huh. So I read Marx's book. It was written in 1848, quite a while ago. And I went, oh, my God. 
my family are Marxists. You know, without financial education, and financial education must include economic philosophy. Like, if you're going to study religion, what's between Catholicism, Christianity, Judaism, and Buddhism? So Marxism is like an economic religion, if you understand uh-huh. that point. Sure. So I'm reading this book by uh, Marx. It's doing a tiny book, 50 pages. I said, my family are Marxists. My school teachers are Marxists. And I couldn't say anything. Do, do you know what I mean? You go yeah. home, you call your, fa- your father a commie. It's yeah. bad enough I call him, bad enough I call yeah. him poor dad, yeah. but much less a commie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why I say you're a silver, silver tooth devil. You're, you're talking something <laughs> beat under my heart. And the reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad on my cash flow board games, a cash flow quadrant, is because I'm anti-communist. And, you know, the question I've always asked is, what does school teach you about money? The answer is nothing. Yeah. And to understand money, you must understand economic history, economic philosophy, and all this stuff. But I'm going, holy mackerel. America is going communist. So let me let me give you two dates that are important. Oh, well, so I, I went I went so I went to military school. I had a high paying job with Standard Oil of California in 1969, and my starting pay, my, not my pay, but my classmates' pay was 120,000 a year. That wasn't bad in 1969. Yeah, Most people don't make great. that much today. Yeah. But 1969, a 21 year old kid making 21k a year. But because I read Marxist Communist Manifesto, the reason I only made 48000 a year was because I refused to join the union. Mm. See, if you understand Marx, Marx always said, workers of the world unite. And today, the people running the world are the NEA, National Education Association, the AFT, and all those labor unions, the teachers' unions. And it was, it's, and so that was back in 96 and I couldn't tell my old man that, you know what I mean? He's a good man. Sure. He ran for Lieutenant Governor, his PhD, Stanford, Northwestern, he had all the, but they don't teach money. They don't teach history. They don't teach economic philosophy. So here I am in 1969, I can't join the union because that would make me a communist. And my father ran the teacher's union. Yeah. So Buck, I was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trapped. <laughs> and uh, so I wind up joining the Marine Corps because that same economics teacher was a West Point graduate. And he came back, went to Harvard, got his PhD in English, I mean, in economics. And he was my teacher. So he said something to me. This is the power of teachers. I said, what's it like to fly a B-17 in World War II? He says, not only did I fly it, I got shot down twice. Huh. I said, what's that like? He says, most exciting thing he ever did in his whole life. He'd do it again. <laughs> and I went, que pasa? You know, what the heck are you talking about? Uh-huh. So with that, I quit my, I was, I was getting paid 48000 non-union job with Standard Oil of California. I joined the U.S. Marine Corps making 200 a month as a second lieutenant. <laughs> And I go to flight school in Pensacola, Florida, and two years later, I'm hanging in the sky flying a helicopter gunship in Vietnam, and I saw the Communist Manifesto for real. Huh. If I hadn't gone to Vietnam, it would just be a book. Right. That's you. 
Right. And, 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 you know, and being a doctor, I saw the war, you know, there were so many times I picked up bodies, I picked up, you know, guys shot the crap and all this stuff. And I go, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. And I realized it was the communist manifesto written in 1848. And it really kind of you know, disturbs you. You know, when you shoot somebody, your life changes. Sure. And when you save somebody, your life changes. But when you kill people, your life changes also. If that makes sense. Yes. Here I am, a U.S. Marine killing people. And I'm going, what the hell am I doing? But the bigger question I had, Buck, was how come their Vietnamese fight harder than our Vietnamese? Question. So today we're in the Ukraine. Today we got the weakest president in the world. I'm not Republican or Democrat. Biden could be the weakest president, the most senile or uh-huh. demented president we've ever had. You have a strong man named Putin. And we're at war. And I feel for the, I mean, the Ukraine is just as corrupt as Russia. You know? yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not taking sides here. But you as, you know, doctors know how much damage is being done to people and their bodies, their lives and all that. And I'm going, what the hell is happening to our world? So when I read Communist Manifesto again, 1848, Marx said that communism would come in two stages. Stage one, socialism. So stage Mm -hmm. one, what happened in stage one was the Frankfurt School of Germany sent teachers to Columbia University, to the Teachers College. And that's where communism started in America, at Columbia University's Teachers College. And today is called, you know, postmodernist education, woke, critical race theory, and all this stuff. It's... It's killing us. And then stage two would be uh, communism. So stage one, socialism. So you notice around stage one, Social Security was on 1936 or something like that. Social, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, all socialization. And what Marx wrote about socialization was necessary to weaken the American people because the American spirit is too strong. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. too strong. Mm-hmm. So they have to teach critical race theory and all this other crap. You know, the government owes you a living, collect your social security check. And it made Americans weak. So that was 1930. That was stage one. And then in 2020, again, I'm not Republican or Democrat. In 2020, when Donald Trump gets censored by, by Silicon Valley, I'm going, que pasa? How can they censor the, you know, Twitter and what and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, going, mm-hmm. it gets attacked. And I'm going, communism is here. So stage two came. This is the dangerous part. At stage two, revolution follows. And we're on the verge of revolution. That's 2022 today. So that's why I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, created the cash flow board game back in 1996. It's part of my capitalist manifesto, which is my latest book is how do you counter communism taught in our schools by teaching capitalism in our homes? What do you think, Robert, help us understand some of the dynamics, I think maybe that you understand about what's going on uh, with Putin and, you know, why the invasion of Ukraine, you know, just in terms of the energy and, you know, some of those issues that might be underlying um, that conflict. 
Well, if you know the history again, it wasn't Putin, it was Stalin. And like around 1918 or whatever, something around there, he invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And Ukraine is a very rich country in minerals and all this stuff. So there's no love lost from the days of Stalin, which is eight, what, 1920, whatever it was, that he murdered a lot of Ukrainians via starvation. Mm-hmm. And that is a hallmark of communism is starvation. Mao starved millions of people yeah. because he killed the people that produce. So I'm a, again, I went to school in 1965, went to military school. While other people are reading Little Women and Little House on the Prairie, whatever people read in school today, I'm at military school understanding communism, yeah. Marx, Mao, Hitler. And, and I can see it. So 2020, stage two of Marxist communist manifesto came true. So what's going on in the Ukraine is just stage two taking over. And uh, they want the Ukraine. Putin wants Ukraine back because it is kind of their Nebraska or mm. Missouri or Montana where they grow the wheat and right. they have a lot of minerals. Right. So Putin wants them. The Ukraines, they don't like Putin, obviously, but he's already murdered so many of them. He may as well just keep going. So, so Taiwan is next because we have a weak president. Mm. So you think the, the – the, the move right now is because, you know, as opposed to before, is because, you know, just this sense of a, a, a weakened U.S. government that maybe won't respond and Chinese will follow, that then China will follow suit. Well, it's more than a weakened government. It's a communist education system. I'll say it again. Yeah. In 1930, that was the date. The Frankfurt School, which, you know, in 33, Hitler came to power in Germany. So the Frankfurt School of Berlin sent teachers to Columbia University Teachers College. And this guy named Dennis Prager, who runs Dennis Prager University, he called Columbia University the College of Cowardice. They teach people to be cowards. They teach you that if you're rich, you're an oppressor and you're evil. And if you're poor, you're virtuous and a victim. So the American people are being weakened from internally via our academic system. And that's why I, I, I thank you very much for asking me the question this, just this morning is because I went to military school. I didn't go through Snowflake College. Yeah, I didn't have a trigger thing. I didn't, I didn't have, you know, they start yelling at you from day one. They insult your mother, your father, and your best friend immediately. And if you can't take it, then you shouldn't be in the military. Right. And then I joined the Marine Corps and the insults kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I got to tell you, I am, uh, you know, I'm, 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 you've mentioned pretty much every school I've gone to. <laughs> and I just feel lucky that I haven't uh, turned into a raging communist at Columbia and, and Northwestern for medical school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the latest book then, because ultimately this is where uh, this is feeding in, which is the capitalist manifesto, how entrepreneurs can save capitalism. So how can they save capitalism? Well, by being capitalist, number one. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I mean, you're a, you're a, you're a medical doctor, right? Yes. Surgeon, so I'm, ex-surgeon, I'm a, yeah. I'm an old guy. <laughs> I sit and watch Fox News, and I see Joe Namath was a quarterback 
Business on commercials. Yeah. He comes on and says, I am Joe Biden. Get everything you deserve. You deserve more social security. I'm going, hey, asshole, the country's broke. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Joe Namath commercials are, are kind of fun to watch, aren't they? <laughs> We're broke, and he's telling them you deserve more social security. <laughs> right. On Fox, nonetheless, right? I mean, yeah. well, places. So, 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 okay. So they can be, they can be capitalists, but, um, underlying, uh, you know, the, that prob that, that issue, the capitalist manifesto is that, um, you know, entrepreneurs can, you know, save capitalism by continuing to be entrepreneurs, by innovating, by creating, you know, opportunity and jobs. But there's such a strong element, as you've alluded to, that's really sweeping over the country right now of, you know, uh, people feeling like they just deserve stuff, right? Right. So how, I mean, entrepreneurs will do what they do. But if, you know, if the majority of the country starts feeling like it's owed something, then they're the ones who put elected officials in place. How, how do we fight back? Well, you know, when you fly, you know, when you fly on the airlines, yeah. say if a mask drops from the ceiling, put your mask on first. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it does, if your kid's sitting there, put your mask on first. Right. Then put your kid on. Right. So you got to save yourself first, and that takes education. I'm very pro education, but I'm not. I'm not pro indoctrination. Mm-hmm. So they. So again, 1930, the Frankfurt School sent teachers to Columbia University. Columbia University is called the University of Cowardice. They teach people to be weak, and if you understand that, so the way you combat that. And this is as a medical person, a surgeon, and all this. This is a book. First book you read is a cash flow quadrant. Right. Of employee, self-employed, or specialist, like a doctor. This is a big business owner. Five hundred employees are met. Also, B also stands for brand. Mm-hmm. I stands for inside investor. See, I don't. I don't have stocks. I don't have bonds. I don't have mutual funds. Right. I am on th- I am a capitalist. Right. Okay. Now this is the sad part, Buck, is that the doctors pay the highest taxes. Right. So you make a million dollars this year, you're going to pay 60% in tax, 600 K. If you don't do an evasive action. Sure. The employees will pay 40% and the big business guys pay 20%. And then I, the insiders pay 0%. The reason I bring up taxes is because if you look at history, America was born on a tax revolution. Boston Tea Party, 1773. And Marxism is based on taxes. He says, if you want to kill the middle class, you kill them with two things, taxation and inflation. Right. Is that going on today? Yeah. And you could argue inflation is taxation, right? Yes. It's, it's, a, it's the worst type of inflation. Right. The taxes, the poor. So, in terms of like the overall uh, trying to change people's mentality, you know, and the social, you know, the sweeping, you know, AOC contingency and the Bernie in the burners. I mean, wh- where do you see this all headed? Because again, you said communism is here. Is there like, you know, what's the next step after that? 
let me explain again because my 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 I'm not I was a C student, so I'm not very good at any of this stuff. The other thing that Marx wrote in Manifesto is what's going to happen next. Again, this is 1848. He says there's a flaw in capitalism, and we all know there is. Sure. Because what happens to capitalism is the more freedom you have, the bigger the inequality. So guys like you and me, people with any kind of cojones, will take action, we'll, we'll do start business, we'll make more money. That's the problem. You have the freedom to make more money in a free capitalist society. Unfortunately, when, when there's freedom, there's inequality. Inequality equals crime. Mm-hmm. So as the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you see crime increase. So today, well, I think in California, you can, you can steal a 900 bucks and get away with it. I think it's more than that. I think it's up to 10,000 now. You're um, they're in the politician. There's a real business here. Opportunity, business opportunity. Here. We have a light rail system where they just, they ride from stop to stop. Right. <laughs> they jump on, jump off, exactly. jump on, jump off. I know. Okay. So freedom equals inequality. Inequality equals crime and revolution. So what Marx wrote in Communist Manifesto, was the middle class would come down into the poor. And when the poor cannot move up, does that make sense to you? Yeah. So my generation, the boomers, if the stock market crashes and the 401k disappears, not disappears, but crashes, the 401k came about in 1974. It was called ERISA, Employee, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. So 1974, ERISA kicks in, Guys my age, oh, thank God, I'm in the stock market. I'm an investor. Now you're a pawn of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And the Federal Reserve Bank, which is not America. The Federal Reserve Bank is a banking cartel, like OPEC is an oil cartel. But they don't teach you that. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm afraid what's going to happen as the economy teeters and they start raising rates to try to quell in the name of saving inflation, stopping inflation, the stock market will crash. It'll wipe out the baby boomers. And I wrote another book called Who Stole My Pension? And it's about how Wall Street steals the money out of public service and pensions. Police, firefighters, school teachers, UPS, airline pilots. Our, our pensions are depleted. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? So this has been one big cash heist. Right. I'm not blowing smoke. You can check my oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we're set for the middle class, my generation, the boomer generation, which had it the easiest of all generations. The reason I say the boomers had it the best is because in 1944, the Bretton Woods Agreement was signed in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. The U.S. dollar became the reserve currency of the world, and we became the richest country in the world ever. So the boomers had it easiest. But they, at this cycle of the economy, 2022, and further, may become, they might not move up anymore. They might move down, just as the poor are moving down, too. That's a recipe for revolution. So revolution, I mean, you mentioned that a few times. So you you think it's really the... Um you know, as the rates go up and all of a sudden you've got all these people feeling poor because there are, you know, there are IRAs or whatever have, have been depleted. 
then the um, you know the the huge difference between the rich and the poor and the, and the evaporation of the middle class becomes more apparent, and that makes it more uh, likely for the revolution to occur. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Historically, yes, that's what happened in Russia, 1918, was that the peasants were so pissed off that they couldn't dis- distinguish between the crooks and the real producers. So the real people who were producing stuff and that were rich, but they couldn't see who was the real business person or farmer or whatever it is who was rich legally and the corrupt people. And today we have, we have the same problem. We don't know who's stealing from us. Right. And I hate to say it, it's our political leaders. Yeah. And the school system and the unions. And you look at what big pharma is doing right now. I mean, you know, somebody's got to follow the money to Fauci. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. you'll, you'll find some interesting stories along yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so is there, is this a fate complete, as they say? Uh, what do you, is there anything that do you feel like you can do to combat the revolution and prevent it from happening? Or are we pretty much screwed? Well, it depends on who you are. We're a free market capitalist system yet. Yeah. So again, you know, it's a, it's about education, which, which, you know, medical doctors are more, more than able to read and write and they're literate, but they lack financial literacy. Right. They don't know if assets and liabilities, big different assets, liabilities. Yeah. So all their house and asset, their car and asset, you know, their whatever they call assets. But that goes back to this. It was the first book you read. It was the cash flow quadrant. Yep. These guys are opposite. Of the, these are capitalists. Yeah. These guys here are bourgeois proletariat. I'm a capitalist. So when I came back from Vietnam, I had to study this side, not this side. Sure. So my poor dad, my poor dad, the PhD said, oh, go back to school and get your PhD. I was a pilot. I said, pilots don't need PhDs. <laughs> but in his mind, because he's an academic, you know, right. that means you're smart. I said, you know, pilots, don't, pilots aren't the brightest guys on earth. My mom was a registered nurse. So she wanted me to become a doctor. I said, mom, doctors are smart. She goes, you got a point there, son. Just do what you're doing. <laughs> That's funny. Robert, let me but, ask you, let's shift a little bit right, real quick. Hang on one second. My rich dad said, come over to this side. Yeah. Now, this is where you and I match. That's right. What's the first, what's the first course that I had to take when I came back from, this is 74. I'm getting spit on, hit by eggs, all that stuff by the hippies, you know, who became school teachers. But the first course my rich dad had me take was real estate. Yeah. He says, you're going to protect yourself by understanding debt and taxes. And again, let me, let me show you the picture here if you can see it. Employees pay 40%. Smart guys like you pay 60%. Capitalists can pay zero. Yep. Don't understand real estate, you don't get here. Right. So the reason I have about 12,000 rental properties, commercial buildings, and all that is because I don't want to pay taxes. America was born as a tax revolt, 1773, Boston Tea Party, not 1776. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's a big part of, I mean, that's why I haven't practiced medicine in five years, Robert. (laughs) 
I used to you, just suck fat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a worthy profession. <laughs> but but what, you know when you know when I used to go to the doctor and he put the gloves on and said bend over. That's what you guys did every day. <laughs> pretty pretty much pretty much. Well, the, at least the, the government was doing it to us. The IRS was doing it to us at least. So. Uh, tell me, tell me, what books are you writing now? I mean, you, you've you've always got great ideas and interesting um, things going on. What 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 are you thinking about right now? Well, I just published Capitalist Manifesto. Mm-hmm. It was a three, three year process, one of the yeah. hardest books I ever had to write. Sure, but because I had to, you know, again, I had to start with my teacher having me read Communist Manifesto in 1965. How mm-hmm. that book, the Communist Manifesto in 1848 affected the way I saw the world. Sure. So I wrote capitalist manifesto for people like you to see the sequence of events, how communism took over America. And it starts in education. Mm -hmm. 1930, the Frankfurt school sent Marxists over to Columbia university to infiltrate the school system. Mm -hmm. And then in 1971, I come back from Vietnam. I'm getting spit on hit by eggs by all these hippies in Northern California and they became school teachers. It became Silicon Valley. Yeah. And then it ended up becoming billionaires later. (laughs) (laughs) Like Nancy Pelosi. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Robert, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, You know, it, it, uh, I have to tell you again, I think for my audience in particular, I think the, you know, people who have not read the cash flow quadrant is a fantastic place to start. I, I feel like you wrote that really for our demographic, even yeah. probably more than Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, right. Do you think that's right? Well, Rich Dad Poor Dad is about. I mean, postmodernist education, which is taught today, is about emotion and opinion. Right. So there's no facts. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is about the financial statement, income, expense, balance sheet, assets, liabilities, the facts. Right. And most people are operating on opinions and emotions. Right. So I made a lot of my, so you got to have Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the basic financial statement. And then how you maneuver through the financial statement depends upon whether or not the cash flow quadrant, which is book two, which I am employee, self-employed, big business or I. So that's why I said the first school I had to take, my, my poor dad wanted me to go back get my PhD, 1972. And my rich dad said, take real estate. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. I made all the difference in the world. So today I make millions of dollars, pay no tax. Yeah. Well, pay some tax, but I can, I can, I can drop my tax rates, but that's because I'm a capitalist, not a Marxist. Right. And Marx wanted inflation and taxation yep. and labor yeah. unions. So if you get that, those three points, you can get the bigger picture, step back from the, uh, you know, the water cooler and take a look and say, how come I'm standing here working hard and getting fucked? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's most people, especially listening to this show. Well, I'm still a Marine. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Robert, I, I want to thank you again for being on the show. It's always a pleasure and uh, looking forward to, to reading this book and, uh, you know, seeing how this whole thing in Ukraine 
ends up. I'd love to uh, have you back at some point uh, again in the next few months and, and get your perspective on things again. Well, it's important because we need smart guys like you, academically smart. I was a C student at the academy. I'll tell you this. Everybody wants, you know, the, they want to be the honors role and all this. The guys at my level, the football players, we're, <laughs> we're, we're vying for anchorman. Who <laughs> get the lowest grade possible without flunking out? And still get through, right. But, but the anchorman, the anchorman got $100 from everybody in the class. They didn't reward the A students. Yeah. Well, they never, <laughs> I'll tell you what, they never do. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so the world needs, the world needs you know, academically bright, gifted people like you to understand capitalism. Right. And that's why I wrote Capitalist Manifesto. Otherwise, Nancy Pelosi is going to run the show. Right. Wonderful. Thanks again. I appreciate uh, your time, Robert. And Thank uh, you. It was fun. Keep fun. up the good work, man. Thanks. Take, take care. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, of course, I'm sure you, you did because Robert is a very entertaining guy. And, uh, you know, if you haven't read uh, The Cashflow Quadrant uh, in particular, that's the book that I think was really a, uh, you know, was really particularly appropriate for our type of, you know, highly paid professional types. I mean, I, th I think that's the book that creates a significant foundation, um, you know, in mindset, you know, and sometimes people ask me, what are the books to read to start out? And I always include that one. I also include um, my friend and CPA, uh, Tom Wheelwright's book, who is also, by the way, Robert Kiyosaki's CPA, Tom Wheelwright. Uh, he has a book called uh, Tax-Free Wealth. And so read those and obviously continue to, you know, devour any education you can get. And hopefully it can provide you with the kinds of benefits in your life that it has provided for me. Anyway, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. Again, I'm very much hoping that I will get to meet you in person at our event in April, April 22nd and 23rd, the Wealth Formula Meetup there in Phoenix, Arizona. Go to wealthformulaevents.com. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Save You with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.